Well, good morning, Gateway. For the few who are well and healthy and able to brave the snow, we are glad you're here in the room. And for the many, many who are watching online today, we are grateful we still get to worship the Lord together. For the many who are at home sick, we know that there's so much sickness that's going through the church family. For those of you at home sick, know we're praying for you this week. And if you need anything to please, please let us know. Just several announcements as we begin this morning. One, there's no kids worship today. And so the kids will be with us in the, during the service the whole time today. So any of the kids, we have a sermon notes page like we did a few weeks ago for you. So they're up front here. And then my kids have, if you want to come grab one, if you don't have a copy of it, come get a copy of that. It'll help you follow along during the sermon today. Now, Lord willing, we're hoping to kick back off midweek activities this coming Wednesday. So we'd hope to do it last week. And so many were out sick, we decided to delay it a week. But those start back this week. Kids will continue the Kids Club with the Gospel Project. Youth will be doing a verse-by-verse study of Philippians. Uh, the men will be starting back our book study of Every Good Endeavor from Tim Keller, Connecting the Gospel to Work. And ladies, you have two different opportunities. A study of, of the Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands book led by Alicia and Cecilia, or a new study of Romans 8 of who we are in Christ led by Karen Fowler. <clears throat> All that's on the website. Just go to gatewaybaptist.com. And you will find that. Now, for those who've been visiting Gateway, we have a Discover Gateway class next Sunday at my house. So lunch after the service, and there's no obligation by coming, but it's the first step in the membership process. If you want to just come, eat lunch with us, and we take about an hour after lunch and talk through who we are as a church and what we believe and how you connect here and a lot of those type things. We'd love for you to come, but we need you to register ahead of time. So go to gatewaybaptist.com, click on news and events, and you'll see it right there. Two other announcements and things coming up. We're having a talent showcase in March. And so if you're interested in doing this, Haley Falcioni is going to be coordinating it. And so uh, there will be auditions for it on Monday, January 24th at 6 p.m. You need to pre-register for that. Details are also on the website. And lastly, men, we have a day hike coming up on February 5. We're going to go to the Smith Mountain Fire Tower. There's a restored fire tower that you're encouraged to climb to the top of right by Lake Martin and go see the amazing views from there. And then from there, we're going to do a trail called the Island Hop Trail. The Alabama Power lowers the lake, uh, Lake Martin, every year in the winter. And these two islands become accessible by a very narrow path that you normally can't get to. And so we're going to hike out and explore those islands on Saturday, February 5th. It's free, but we need you to register on the website as well, gatewaybaptist.com. Now, as we focus our hearts on the Lord, can I ask you to stand, please? I want to read scripture for us as we think about singing about the hope we have in Christ this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's sing to Christ today and focus on the hope we have in Him. King of kings calls me here. 
thank you for this day. We thank you that we are able to come into your house, come into your presence, and just be, Father. I thank you that you welcome us in, in Jesus Christ. You say to all of us, all of us who are sinners, all of us who are broken, all of us who are needy, Lord, you welcome us in, and you meet us with grace, and you meet us with kindness, and mercy, and your love. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning we would feel that sense of rest and peace in you, Jesus Christ. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that when you look at us, you have mercy. Thank you for loving us and adopting us, Lord. And Lord, we want to lift requests up to you this morning as your children and just ask you for your help, Lord. We submit these requests to you knowing that you are a good God, knowing that you are sovereign, knowing that you are Lord over all. And Lord, there are so many at Gateway and our Gateway family and people we know and love who are sick with COVID, Lord. And we cry out for your mercy, Lord. We pray that you would bring healing. We pray that you would bring nourishment to our bodies. We pray that you would bring us through this, Lord. We just ask you for your mercy over this virus, Lord, and that you would drive it away, that we would get through this time, Lord. 
Lord, we pray for our Gateway youth. We pray that they're studying, a, uh, beginning a new study of Philippians, Lord. Thank you that we have a youth group that is studying your word. And Lord, we pray that you would meet them in this study. We pray that you would give them minds to understand. We pray that they would not just rely on the leaders to teach, which is important, Lord, but that they themselves would dig into your word, that you, Holy Spirit, would meet them as they read your word and as they seek to understand your word that you would grow them in their faith, that you would mature them in their faith, and that you would mature them in their relationship with you to see that they themselves can dig into your word and, and, and understand who you are and more about themselves, Lord. We just pray that you would guide them in this study, that you would direct them in that. Lord, we pray for Pastor Ken Austin, the pastor over at New Walk of Life Church, and, and his leadership over the Mercy House ministry that ministers to so many of the poor and provides so many needed resources. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that he is in this city. Thank you that you've called him to minister. And we just pray that you would equip everything that church needs to minister to the poor so well that many would come to know you through that ministry, Father. Pray that you would guard him and protect him. Just thank you for our brother in this city doing such important work. Lord, we pray for global missions this morning. We pray for the Khmer people of Cambodia. Lord, it seems that restrictions uh, due to COVID have been lifted, that they have more freedom now to minister. And we pray that you would renew them, that you would give them a renewed sense of passion and energy for the Great Commission, that you would open doors, that you would draw many people to yourself through the church there in Cambodia, Father. Thank you for them. Lord, we pray for the offering today that's uh, given online and here at this church, Father. We just pray that you would um, allow us to give freely, allow us to give from a place of rejoicing and joy, Father, and not from a place of obligation or because we have to, but, but as an act of worship to you, to trust you, to in a very real sense put our faith in you and give of our money to you, Father, and that we at this church would use this for your glory and for your, and for your, uh, just the gospel to go forward, Father. And Lord, finally, we pray for Grady today. We thank you um, for a pastor that loves you. We thank you for a pastor um, that walks out repentance, Lord. We thank you for a pastor that seeks you in your word and that he uh, has mined the depths of your word this week and that he's gonna bring that to us. And I pray that you would give him clarity of mind, that you would help him to remember all that he's studied and that he would be able to encourage us with your word this morning. What a gift, Father, that we get to be encouraged by your word, that we get to sit under faithful teaching, Lord. And I just pray that you would give Grady great clarity and great ability to communicate those truths this week. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are a good God. And we just pray that we would rejoice together in this fellowship today. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And Gateway family. As I mentioned for the kids, we do have a handout. So if you don't have one of these to follow along, if you lift your hand, Grady and Richard have them in adults, you're welcome to get one too if you would like to use this. It says kids on it, but you're welcome to use this. If you just raise your hand if you need one, and Grady's got them and Richard has them, and they'll be glad to, to give you one of those. Hope it'll help you guys follow along. It's good to have the first to fourth graders in here with us this morning, and appreciate you guys studying God's Word with us. So find Philippians chapter 3 in your copy of God's Word, Philippians chapter 3 this morning. As we are continuing our journey to be more rooted, more grounded in what we believe, we've come to three important words that really are the summary of our Christian experience and our Christian journey. Now of these three words, we looked at two of them last week. If you remember from last week, we talked about justification. That's the beginning of the Christian journey, the point where we come to faith in Christ, where God declares us righteous and belonging to Him. And that's all of His grace. It has nothing to do with us. We bring sin, He brings grace. And so we saw justification was the beginning of our Christian journey. Where we focused last week primarily was on sanctification. Now sanctification is the continuation of our Christian journey, the process where the Holy Spirit continually is transforming us to make us more and more like Christ. It is growth in holiness, growth in godliness, and it's all His work, but we have a responsibility as well. We saw that last. We have a responsibility to put ourselves in the path of grace, to study the Word, because our sanctification cannot be separated from knowledge of the Word of God. Now, today we come to our third of those words, and that's the word glorification, and that is the culmination of our Christian journey, the climax, if you will, the high point of this journey. We were justified when we came to faith in Christ. We are being sanctified, and the day is coming where we will be glorified 
in the future. So that brings us to today's big question, what is glorification? Now, if you're following along with a New City Catechism that guides us, you will not find this in here. We are adding this week in. Last week's question was from the Catechism. That was what is justification and what is sanctification. But for some reason, they skipped this one. But this is such an important part of our future hope in Christ. We wanted to add this one in to the study. So you have an extra week to catch up if you're reviewing the Catechism during the week. So what is glorification? We're going to find our answer today in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 20. Then we're going to go through the chapter break and look at chapter 4, verse 1 as well this morning. Friends, when you look at this, you see that big number 4 right there in the middle of our text today. This can kind of cause us to stop and think this is a separate idea. But remember, chapters and verses, though they're helpful, were not part of the original manuscripts. When Paul wrote this letter, there were no chapters and there were no verses. These were added later to serve us and help us, and they are great tools. It's a lot easier for me to tell you, find Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, than to say, find the book of Philippians and keep reading until you find the phrase, your citizenship is in heaven, and we'll start there today. So the, the verses are very good tools for us, but they can cause us to separate ideas that really belong together. When you look at chapter 4, verse 1, the therefore, it connects in with what we're going to be reading this morning. So it's all part of one flow of thought that we need to see together. So as we read these verses this morning, I want you to look for what is glorification. I also need to look for what difference does it make? That's why we're adding chapter 4, verse 1 to it. What is glorification and what difference does it make that we think about and believe this truth? So let's read it together. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. And then we'll read through chapter 4, verse 1. We'll have the words on the screen as well. Starting in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that you have given us your word. Thank you for the grace gift of being able to read it with our own eyes, to talk about it together, to be able to sing together this morning. And God, I pray you'd be turning our hearts to a sense of awe and wonder at who you are and what you've given to us in your word, and even what you're going to do for us in the future. And out of this place of awe and wonder, we will be worshipers of you who are transformed. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So what is glorification? Now, that is a big question. Now, to help us understand this kind of big, complex thought, we're going to do what we did last week. We're going to break this down into several smaller questions. So this morning, we're going to ask several questions. What does it mean to be glorified? Who gets glorified? What are glorified bodies like? When will it happen? How will it happen? And what difference does it make? So six questions to guide us. Let's start with the first one. What does it mean to be glorified? Quite simply, what does it mean to be glorified? To be glorified is to be transformed. Glorification is a transformation. Now, last week, we saw that sanctification is a transformation of our nature. It's a transformation of our character, who we are. That it was a transformation. Now we come to glorification that is an outward transformation. The transformation literally of our bodies where our bodies are returned to a state of perfection. Now we see that in today's text. Go back to verse 21 of today's text. It's talking about Jesus doing certain things. It's Jesus who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. So Jesus will transform our lowly bodies. He will glorify, he will transform. Those mean the same thing. The reality here for us is that our bodies need transforming. Our bodies are not Perfect. Now, the ESV that I'm reading out of says that there are lowly bodies. Now, some of your translations may say they're humble bodies or bodies of a humble state. Both humble and lowly are very, very gracious translations here. Because the word we translate humble or lowly in the Greek is actually the word humiliation. That we have bodies currently of humiliation. Paul's saying we have bodies of humiliation that need to be transformed. Now, that doesn't sound very nice, does it? Now, what does he mean that we have bodies of humiliation? He's not in any way putting down the physical reality. He's not saying that the physical reality is bad, but he's pointing out the limitations of our body, how frail and weak our bodies are, and the reality of how our bodies limit us. And just think about that. Think of how limited we are because of the frailty, the humiliation, the humbleness of our bodies. We see that through sickness. There are so many who are normally around us who are not here today, who would love to be here, but they cannot because they are sick. Their bodies have limited them from doing what they like to do, and that's worshiping with their church family. But not just sickness. Friends, we have limited energy. There's so many things we desire to do, and to use our good southern expression, we run out of steam, right? See, there's things that are on our list that we want to accomplish, and we just can't do it. We're limited. We have bodies of humiliation. But even more than that, we have limited understanding. 
There are so many things that I would love to know how to do. My brain just can't learn how to do them. You too, we are all limited in things. And to top that all off, as we age, those limitations don't get less, they get more, right? Physically, we're not able to do the things we used to do. Even vision-wise, we can't see the things up close we used to see up close, right? Lots of things change as we age because we have bodies of humiliation, bodies that are humble, they're lowly, they're broken, they're weak, and they're as limited. So we have bodies that need to be transformed. And that is the good news for us. Our bodies are not always going to be bodies of humiliation. We're not going to always be limited in our bodies. And we see that in verse 21 right here. It's talking about who Jesus will transform our lowly body. He will transform. Now, we saw this last week in talking about sanctification, but the verb here, transform, comes from a Greek word, which is the basis of our English word metamorphosis. So if you think back to elementary school again, and boys and girls who are in school right now, think of metamorphosis. You have that kind of ugly caterpillar, right? It hangs on a branch, cocoons itself, and before long what happens, a beautiful butterfly flies away. It's a transformation. Like you don't have, the butterfly is connected to the caterpillar. It was the caterpillar, but there's a continuation of that being, but it's something different now. It has been metamorphosized. It has been transformed. And that is exactly what Paul is saying is that our bodies of humiliation, our broken bodies, our limited bodies will be metamorphosized. They will be transformed. And what will they be transformed into? Well, he tells us in verse one, he says, we'll be transformed to be like his, Jesus's glorious Body that we'll be transformed to be like Jesus' own body. Now, we'll unpack what that means in a minute, but for now, quite simply, this is telling us that our bodies will be made perfect, that we get to look forward to the day that our bodies are made perfect, that we are metamorphosized, that we are transformed to have perfect bodies, just like Jesus' own body. So first question, what is glorification? Is quite simply the transformation of our bodies so that they become perfect. Question two, who will be glorified? Now, this is an important clarification for us because glorification is only for followers of Jesus. This is only for people who are truly following Christ, who know him in a personal way. We see this in the context of today's text as well. Go back up one verse to verse 20. This is who Paul is describing to be glorified. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So glorification happens to people whose citizenship is in heaven, to people who belong to God, who know Him in a personal way, people who are longing for His return, people who so have encountered Christ that they love Him and long to see Him. Not just people who've prayed a prayer or joined a church, but people who are awaiting Christ because they love Him. Now we get this clarification also in Paul's writings in Romans chapter 8, verse 30. And Paul, as Paul writes in Rome there, he says, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. Remember, made righteous. And those he justified, he also, what? He also glorified. So glorification happens to those who are justified. To those who are not justified, they will not be glorified. So what happens to those who are not justified? We saw this back in November. But let me remind us, John chapter 3 Verse 18. In John 3 18, Jesus is talking to, his, to, to us about what happens is whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So, for those who do not believe in Christ, they're not glorified. Rather, they are condemned. Their souls face eternity apart from God in hell, where they face the wrath, the just wrath of a holy God against all of their sins and rebellion again, against God's infinite holiness. But for followers of Christ, friends, there's amazing hope that these lowly bodies, these bodies of humiliation will be glorified, will be transformed. So what is glorification? It's the transformation of our bodies so they become perfect. Who gets glorified? Only true followers of Jesus. Now question three, perhaps the question that most comes to our mind when we think about glorification, what will glorified bodies be like? What will our glorified bodies be like? Go back to verse 21 of our text today. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body? that our future bodies will look like Jesus's resurrection body. Friends, what an incredible thought. And this is a thought not just in this one verse. You find this throughout Scripture. For example, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, we're told something very similar. Beloved, we are God's children now, so we already are in Christ, right? And what we will be, there's something more coming that we've not yet experienced, has not yet appeared. But we know that when He, Jesus, appears, we shall be like Him because we will see him as he is. So we will be like Christ. Our future bodies will resemble Jesus' own resurrection body. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 gives us some insight. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 to 44, Paul explains what our resurrection bodies are like. And you'll see in here this imagery of seeds. What is sown 
and what is raised. So as we read these three verses here, realize he's talking about when you plant a seed in the ground, the seed dies and it grows into something more beautiful, right? You plant a sunflower seed. The sunflower seed doesn't look like a sunflower, does it? But it produces from itself this beautiful sunflower. He's using that imagery here to say when we die, something else is coming in the future. Our glorified bodies will be different than what we have right now. So realize what is sown is referring to our earthly bodies. What is raised is talking about our glorified bodies. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, that's what we have right now, is perishable. What is raised, that's the glorified body, is imperishable. Verse 43, he carries on. It is sown in dishonor, again, our earthly bodies now. It is raised in glory, resurrection bodies. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power, verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So what does that mean? What are our future resurrection, transformed, glorified bodies going to be like? Four things he says in these verses. Number one, they will be imperishable. They will be imperishable. Go back to verse 42 of this text in 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. To perish is to, is to, is to die eventually. But before that, it's to decay. It is to break down. And yes, it's to eventually die. So to be imperishable is to never die. But even more than that is to never decay, never break down. That means our glorified bodies will be eternal. They will last forever. They will never decay. They will never break down. That means there'll be no aging, no sickness, no weakness, no pain, no runny noses, no COVID, no allergies, right? No blurry vision, none of those things because there'll be no decay. They will be imperishable. They will never break down. They will never end. They will be eternal bodies. So number one, they're imperishable. But he tells us a second thing here, and that secondly, they will be beautiful. Our future bodies will be more beautiful than what we have right now. Look at verse 43 of 1 Corinthians 15, and notice how Paul describes this. It is sown in dishonor, what we have right now. It is raised in glory. Remember, glory literally means beauty or brightness, that our new bodies, our transformed bodies will be raised in glory, raised in beauty, raised in brightness, that we will have a beauty far surpasses anything that we experience right now. Pretty cool, right? That we will have imperishable bodies and we will have beautiful bodies, but there's a third one, we will have powerful bodies. Look in the same verse in verse 43. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Now just to clarify, this does not mean that we are all-powerful, that we are omnipotent. Only God is omnipotent, all-powerful. We will never be all-powerful, but we will have stronger bodies than we have right now. That means we will have the strength beyond what we have now to do everything God calls us to do. That means in our glorified bodies, there will never be something God calls us to do that we will not have the strength to be able to carry out. As we work for Him for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth, we will have the strength we need to fulfill our God-given mission. Our bodies will be powerful. So they'll be imperishable, no decay, no breaking down. They will be beautiful. They will be powerful. And number four, they will be holy. They will be holy. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 44, the very next verse here. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Now let's be clear here. When it says we have a spiritual body, it does not mean that the physical goes away. This doesn't mean we're going to become just, for all eternity, just spirits without a body. If you think about Jesus' own resurrection body, it was a physical body. Luke chapter 24, verses 39 to 43. This is one of the amazing appearances of Christ after his resurrection. He, sees to, he speaks to his disciples and says, See, my hands, my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. So Jesus' own resurrection body, we will be like him He's got bones and he's got flesh on him. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and he showed him his feet. Verse 41, he carries on. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? And then that very next verse, verse 42, they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Carries on in verse 43. And he took it and he ate before them. So Jesus' resurrection body, he was not just like a spirit who floated in and out, right? He actually had bones, he had flesh, and he was able to eat things before them. That is what we are told as well, that we will be like him. So our resurrection bodies, go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 44, we're told they'll be spiritual bodies. They will still be bodies, but this means they will be holy. They'll be operating under the Holy Spirit in all things. Right now, our bodies, our flesh, lead us away from the Lord so often. We're tempted to do things that God says to not do. We're tempted to not do the things God says to do. 
Our spiritual bodies will not pull us towards temptation and sin. We will be free from all that. Our bodies will become the perfect vehicle to always obey God and obey His will in all things. So our transformed, glorified bodies, they'll be imperishable, they'll be beautiful, they'll be powerful, they'll be holy. Or in the simple words of verse 21 of our text today, they will be like His, Jesus' own glorious body. One of the authors I was reading this week just summarized this so well. He said, Paul was saying then that in place of an earthly body that is always characterized by physical decay and dignity and weakness, the resurrected believer will have a heavenly body that is incapable of deterioration, beautiful in form and appearance, and with limitless energy and perfect health. He will have a perfect vehicle for God's Spirit. So what is glorification? It's transformation of our bodies so they become perfect. Who gets glorified? Only true followers of Jesus. What is glorified bodies like? They're imperishable, they're beautiful, they're powerful, they're holy. They're like Jesus' own resurrection body. Number four, when will this happen? When will this happen for us, his followers? Well, look at verse 20. We get a glimpse of it here. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are awaiting something. We're awaiting particularly his return. We're awaiting the second coming of Christ. And when Christ returns, verse 21 happens here. He will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. So the, tra- the glorification of our bodies happens when Jesus comes again. At his second coming, when Jesus comes again. We saw a glimpse of this earlier in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. And so in 1 John 3, 2, we see something similar. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we will know that when he appears, when he returns, the second coming of Christ, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. But perhaps we see this most clearly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This makes so clear the timing of when we get our glorified bodies. Paul writes there to the people in Thessalonica, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, you know, those people who've died, who have died, whose souls are already with the Lord, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, notice this, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So when we die now, our spirit, our soul, goes on to be with the Lord in heaven now. And it's saying when Christ comes and he returns and coming, he will bring with him the souls of those who have already died. Now look what happens in verse 15. As he carries on here. I think we, there you go. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So he's already said that their souls are coming with him. What's this mean? The glorified body. He's going to give the resurrection bodies at the second coming of Christ. Now verse 17. Look at what happens for those who are left here. Then we who are alive, who are left, who are here, have not died when Christ comes back. We'll be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. So when does this happen? Our glorified bodies, we, are, we are receive them when Christ comes a second time at the return of Christ. What happens between our death and that point? 2 Corinthians 5.8 reminds us of that. Our souls go on to be with the Lord. Yes, we have good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. When we die now before Christ comes back, our souls depart. Our bodies are buried here. But when Christ returns, he gives us a transformed, glorified body. He resurrects our bodies and he makes them new and he reunites our soul with them. Wayne Grudem, his systematic theology is a great resource in our resource center out here. He says this, it will happen, glorification will happen when Christ returns and raises from the dead the bodies of all believers for all time who have died and reunites them with their souls and changes the bodies of all believers who remain alive, thereby giving all believers at the same time perfect resurrection bodies like his own. So what is glorification? The transformation of our bodies so they become perfect. Who gets them? Followers of Jesus, what are they like? They're like Jesus. They're imperishable, beautiful, powerful, and holy. And when do we get them? When Christ comes a second time. So question five then, how will it happen? The simple answer is we do not know. We do not know how this will happen. The Bible does not tell us the how, the mechanics of how God's going to take our decomposed remains, the dust in the ground, and bring those together to reunite them into a perfect body that has some continuity with our current bodies. We don't have the foggiest idea how he's going to do it, but we know that he can. Think back to the creation of man, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. In Genesis 2, you see how he makes us. The Lord God formed the man of dust 
from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now, this is not imagery. This is not figurative. This is literal history from Genesis. God created man by taking dust and breathing life into it. If God can do that initially with Adam, when Christ comes again, he can take wherever our particles are scattered around the world and bring them together and bring new life 